Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of The Drunk Riders. As always, I am Marcus. And I'm Mark. And I'm Mike. And this week we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Birch from the Lost Island Amusement Park. Eric. Hey everybody, it's Eric, and I'm here on this episode of the Drunk Riders. <laughs> yes, <laughs> incredible. Welcome, welcome. Couldn't be happier to have you on. So, um, today let's go through the beers, gentlemen, uh, or alcohol, as it were. I am drinking. Per thank you, Mike, for give, getting this to me. False Idol Brewing Company's release the Wargs. Nice. My, my last one. <laughs> The Texas-based brewing did you, company. Did you just say Wargs? Wargs. <laughs> Listen, I can't. W a r g s. Wargs. 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 You said it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I also have a release the Wargs. <laughs> it's also my last one. Okay. Kind well, of loved about it. <laughs> I'm proud of you guys both for drinking false idols tonight because <laughs> I as well <laughs> drinking false idols tonight. I've got a you know chata. It's a special occasion, so I bring out the best beer that I have. And I am drinking a on tap version of the Lost Islands Tropical Blonde, a delightful mix of guava, passion fruit, and coconut, brewed Ooh. off of a blonde base from a local brewing company called Second State here in Cedar Falls. You can only get it at Lost Island Water Park or Theme Park. Excellent. That is incredible. And in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. One of two spots. Love it. (laughs) And now I feel like I missed out when we were there because I I saw it. I thought about getting it, and then I elected for uh, whatever Kona was on tap at the time. Big Wave is a... A distant second. <laughs> Way to settle for second, Mark. <laughs> Mark, you know the mantra of drink local. What's wrong with you? Hey, it, dude, it's hard to beat a big wave. But no, no, it's not. Hey, I just have to go back now. That's right. That's so. true. <laughs> Twist my arm. Okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Um, so, Yes. Uh, what else we got going on, gentlemen? Oh, just to cover some stuff coming up soon for the lovely Buzz Bars. We got this weekend, we're going to Michigan's Adventure, visiting mm-hmm. visiting Grand Rapids. Eric, I, I wish you could join us. We're going on a, a lovely brewery crawl through Grand mm-hmm. Rapids. Sounds lovely. Oh, yeah. it's. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to remember this weekend, so... Uh, <laughs> Jeez! Uh, hey, I'm not driving for once. I could finally be all right to let loose a little bit. Yep. And so, just this. Honestly, we might be saying this too late. This episode might be released too late. But just in case uh, you happen to catch this in time, and you're on your way to Michigan's Adventure or Grand sure. Rapids, uh, quick last minute change to the itinerary. Uh, unfortunately, our intern had to back out this weekend. Uh, for some personal items, uh, so we are no longer doing the barn party, uh, but instead we are doing a bigger, better bar crawl Saturday night. Uh, in between our time at Mich- Michigan's Adventure and our Saturday night bar crawl, uh, we are going to head to the beach and uh, going to have some spaghetti and pizza on the beach. Let's go! 
what a sentence <laughs> on the beach. Great way to refuel. Spaghe- <laughs> spaghetti on the beach just sounds... There's, it, <laughs> it's a description. The number it, of carbs that are going to be consumed that day. <laughs> uh, I was, it's definitely passing the five thousand mark for me for sure. <laughs> so yeah, perfect. Still, still meeting up Friday night. Just so everyone's aware, uh, it'll be a little bit more low key. Uh, we're going to start at New Holland Brewing Company uh, Friday evening, and then there's a few other bars in the area uh, we can pop into, uh, and then. Just so everyone knows, the beach is North Beach Park in Grand Haven, Michigan. Uh, address was provided in the itinerary update via email. And Saturday night, we're going to start at Founders Brewing Company. Man, I'm 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 getting hydrated now because <laughs> it's going to be a weekend. <laughs> I'm going to get some liquid IV. <laughs> That's a good good move. All right. We got everything uh, Buzz Bars related out of the way, right? Yep. Perfect. Let's get on to the show. Coasting and Super Duper Stumble coming up, but everyone knows about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with it. <laughs> All right. Eric. I'm still here. I, we, appre- <laughs> we, we, pre- we appreciate you stuck around. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, we've seen a, a lot and heard a lot about you. Um, we have visited your amusement park, um, but we don't know too much about you specifically. Uh, could you give us a little bit about your background, where you started, you know, what, uh, what, uh, you know, came about in your life that led you down this path, kind of where, where this all began for you? Sure. So, uh, both the water park and the theme park are family run ventures and those, Got started back in the early 90s. Um, My parents, Gary and Becky, started a cabinet company in Waterloo in the 70s. And that did very well. And uh, in the mid-90s, they were looking for a way to kind of uh, pay back our local community by spending some of that revenue that they'd made over the years from the cabinet company on some type of community enhancing amenity and uh, all of our family vacations when I was younger either focused around going to some tropical location or visiting a water park usually but amusement parks as well around the country and in the Caribbean and so we happened to be on a family trip to the Wisconsin Dells with extended family and my grandfather who was in construction uh, was sitting off to the side with my dad and they both got to talking about well what about building a water park because if the Wisconsin Dells with a permanent population of around 3,000 people can support (laughs) multiple facilities surely Waterloo could support one really good one. And so that was kind of what got the ball rolling. And then we started construction in 98 on the water park. And the focus was let's, we, we want this to be a special place for the people that have helped make the, our cabinet enterprise successful. So we want to be bringing world-class entertainment to the Midwest 
and as I said, drawing on our experiences at uh, Atlantis and the Bahamas and the Disney parks, Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon, the Schlitterbahn parks all over the country. Um, we put the idea together of, okay, well, what, what do we want the theme to be? Because it can't just be a collection of rides. We need to make it something special. And what better way to uh, really inject a feeling of vacation into the middle America than a lost island, a, a tropical oasis in the middle of the cornfields. And so we put a lot of effort into building that out and uh, through our connection with our, my grandfather's construction company and then uh, being able to self-fund this venture because everyone told us this is a huge mistake. We did feasibility studies and people were like, don't do it. This is, a, this is not going to work out. Uh, we built this nice small water park and we're able to cash flow in year one. And, the idea was never that we were going to make the money back. It just needed to support itself. And so uh, after about 10 years of slowly, incrementally increasing our attendance and building up a pretty good brand for ourselves, we started thinking, okay, this is running pretty well, but we're starting to plateau on the number of people that are willing to visit the water park in our demographic because just being honest, I mean, it's not a big enough draw. There isn't enough other, uh, other attractions in the area to bring people in for more than one day to stay at the water park. And so we started kicking around a number of ideas of other attractions that we could potentially bring to the area. And, uh, we were really close to pulling the trigger on an indoor water park resort. And then the, uh, <laughs> the housing crash happened in 2007. Oh, we were very fortunate that that didn't happen. And through research realized that we would kind of be cannibalizing our own attendance anyway. It's the same people that it would be visiting indoor versus outdoor. And we finally settled on the idea of a dry park. And again, when we realized that that was the, that was the best decision uh, we ended up leaning heavily into the theming again uh, as a way to differentiate us from other facilities in the area. And I just realized, Marcus, that that has nothing to do with who I am. <laughs> oh. Listen, listen. let me tell you something. We got about four, we got like uh, seven, eight questions on here. You covered about three of them just in what you're saying. So yep. <laughs> you, you keep going. You good, man. Okay. You all right? All right. So... <laughs> So that's how we got to the theme park. And now I'm going to circle back for a minute just to answer your original <laughs> question. And then you can ask me your next one. There you go. Uh, so how I got involved in this is um, when the decision was made to start the water park, I was all in because at the time I was 17 and I was like, this is going to be great. This is every, every young man's dream is to become a lifeguard. Right. 
They watch a <laughs> thing. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, we get in into it, and I went through lifeguard training, and was s- sort of involved in uh, in a supervisory role, but uh, just the learning curve on getting into this industry is extremely high for someone that hasn't been on on the back end before. And so dealing with pool chemicals and, you know, lifeguarding for three hours at a time, then running to check the pool chemistry and then running back out and trying to radio to our maintenance people that, hey, uh, I don't know what happened, but the pH is not the right color. And then just hoping that they would figure it out (laughs) while I was out guarding and making sure we didn't have anybody drown and then running back and trying to deal with uh pool chemistry again was pretty nerve-wracking for the first two years uh and then after three years of having somebody else in charge of the aquatics department i felt like i could do a better job than them um, when they decided to move on and so i took over for the department um, and trained our lifeguard staff for uh about 10 years and then uh, we had somebody up at our front gate area who also left um, uh, without much notice. And so I passed that position off to somebody that I had been training since he was 16 and he took over the aquatics department. I moved to the front of house, uh, implemented some new cabanas, increased revenue, and streamlined some scheduling issues that we were having up front. And then uh, found somebody else that was doing a really great job up there and asked them if they wanted to go from a seasonal person into a full-time role. And uh, it was at that time in 2015, going into 16, that I took over the role of GM my and Gary and Becky kind of moved into more of a doing whatever they want role uh, <laughs> instead of having to worry about the day to day, which they should have been able to do a lot sooner. But the, our family has always been very hands on and wanted to be they wanted to be involved in the day to day. And I I sort of nicely pushed them out and said, you know what? <laughs> we can do this without you. We're we have a really good team in place. And so. Uh, we had been talking about the theme park as maybe something that would happen um, prior to that, but it really didn't get going heavily until 2017 or so. And so at that point we had had drawings done and it was sort of a, maybe this will happen dream. Uh, But 17 was really when we started to think, okay, this is probably what we're going to be doing. And so, uh, 17 to 20 was me kind of juggling the day-to-day of the water park and then by night working on the theming and backstory and the designs with my wife on what the uh, color palette was going to be for each ride and uh, cool. designing all that stuff. And then uh, we had planned on bringing on a GM for the theme park and went through two individuals who both also left for different reasons. And the second person 
we had some personnel personality challenges with other uh other managers and so just because at that point it was uh fall of 2021 and we were opening in 22 i ended up stepping into this role with no experience again so (laughs) where at the water park i started at the bottom and learned our business from the inside and grew into each of the roles except for food and beverage uh, I confidently feel like if I went back to the water park or any water park that I would be able to manage that place w- without any trouble but nice. coming into the theme park arena with no background in any mechanical electrical hydraulic or pneumatic uh history experience has been really daunting like there there are some aspects that translate from one park to the other but really again from the back end there are so many maintenance related issues that have nothing to do with each other that there are a lot of times that i kind of feel like i am faking it until i make it (laughs) (laughs) as as enthusiasts we definitely see that all the time from uh, a lot of different parks where they they, people especially that get into these ventures i mean heck just happened to have twitter open here a ride broken at carowinds at cedar or at the Car- uh, in, uh, north carolina so you know there's there's nobody ever really knows what they're doing at the end of the day that's my motto as a manager too <laughs> <laughs> nobody truly knows what they're doing so <laughs> where are the adult years <laughs> <laughs> so when you were dreaming up this part putting everything kind of together between 2017 and 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 2020 um were there any parts specifically that you were really basing everything off of or kind of parts of it for were you snatching from here from there in your experience or yeah i mean we just like with the water park i mean obviously we take a lot of uh direction well not direction but we we draw a lot of inspiration from the two big names that i'm not going to mention here (laughs) in terms of how they approach theming something that we took from a seminar before we built the water park was that uh one of the orlando parks spends four dollars on theming for every dollar they spend on an actual attraction on the ride itself and we really took that to heart as something that we needed to aspire to because again we we're not trying to be the disney of the midwest or the universal or even the dollywood we're trying to be the lost island and Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. while we take inspiration from the bigger guys we have created our own brand that does focus very heavily on transporting you to another place uh, just without a billion dollar budget. I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And what were some, what were some of the lessons learned that, uh, you went through or, um, basically anything that you might've picked up from, from visiting other properties or, uh, like you said at the seminars, or if, if there were any, uh, mentors or protégés that y'all had, in developing both the water park, the theme park, what are, what are some of those lessons learned that you would have otherwise never have known about? 
Oh, man. Uh, there have been so many lessons, Mark. I <clears throat> don't know if we can talk about all of them. <laughs> uh, so just in general, um, in, in the themed entertainment space, I would say uh, something that I've had to learn is that not everyone is going to care about the details as much as we do. And so being able to let go when, when somebody doesn't notice that, you know, you, you've hand painted some design on the corner of a building that they just, (laughs) you know, threw a soda on by accident or on purpose, or, (laughs) you know, just that you have to remember that that kind of thing is sometimes subconscious and they don't recognize, uh, how much work went into it. And that doesn't mean that they don't care. It's just that it isn't something that they're going to point out. Like we do when we go to a park and we're like, Oh my gosh, look at the tile work they did around the drain in this bathroom. (laughs) Uh, But other lessons um, at the theme park, especially is just the, as I was saying, in terms of not (laughs) really knowing what I'm doing maintenance wise, the amount of, prep work that needs to be done to and like preventative maintenance that needs to be done. Um, it would be really helpful if there were a little bit more, uh, detailed roadmaps on how to do that. Cause the, the manuals are like, Hey, yeah, do this and this. And then a lot of things kind of get buried in, <laughs> in the 350 pages of text. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, just talking to another park that has the same ride, they are able to give you such a wealth of information. And it would be great if that could just be uh, readily available. But, (laughs) you know, it's you got to live through it to to learn that stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's that's probably the the biggest thing is we just we are trying to pick up as much preventative maintenance as we can so that we don't have the issue that Carowinds is. Well, we have a ride down right now too, because of unforeseen circumstances. And sometimes that just happens. There's no way around it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, You mentioned it a little bit, but the, the level of theming that you guys have is I know when I walked through the gate was my jaw dropped. It, I was, I really did feel like I was brought into another world. Mm-hmm. Um, was this, you know, collaboratively in your family? How, how did this idea of lost Island and this intricate backstory that you guys have come to life? Because it did feel like you were transported somewhere new. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, <laughs> So, like I kind of alluded to, the Lost Island sort of motto is to exceed expectations. And the jaw-dropping metaphor or experience is what we go for every time. I mean, people expect that, well, I'm just going to this park in Iowa. It's, you know, I'm going to get a coaster credit, but let's spend as little time in the state as possible. And... (laughs) We, uh, <laughs> I, I, we would all be lying if that was not our first thought when we, when we came. Would Which, definitely be lying. Yeah, <laughs> I, and that is that's something that we've been working for twenty three years to overcome. So I'm used to being in that position, and when people are willing to admit that 
they actually are impressed with what we did, that's, that is the, the greatest reward. So how we came up with this was a total gamble on <laughs> uh, throwing stuff against a wall between the family and just crossing our fingers that it worked out. Um, I thought several times in the, the process of coming up with all of this stuff that we were making a huge mistake, that nobody was going to care about this and it was going to be a colossal failure because we didn't farm this out to some consultant or bounce ideas off of uh, focus groups or anything. We basically just took a leap of faith and we were like, you know what? This is going to be good enough. It's everybody that's working on this believes in it. We have spent untold numbers of hours trying to come up with it. We we think we have something that's going to work. And so, yeah, between my parents and my wife, Molly, Molly and I, I mean, did the majority of the heavy lifting on the backstory. And the reason that that was very important to us is it informed many of the design decisions that happened throughout the rest of the park. So whether it's the the tree restaurant or the wrap that goes on our Gerslauer Skyfly, all of the design elements throughout the park are based on the the metadata legend stuff that we came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I try to describe it is most theme parks uh, have an existing IP that they're built off of. So there's there's already customer buy-in whether it's Harry Potter or a Disney movie or SpongeBob SquarePants or Angry Birds, people know the story already. And so because the story is successful, they build a park to increase engagement and get people to, to feel like they're in the world. And what we are doing is we created that story, but because we didn't have any way of getting it out to the public beforehand, we sort of reverse engineered the park in a way that the park is built first and then we're going to back in the storyline elements to people that are interested in learning more. So it isn't necessary for you to enjoy your experience at the park, but there, as we get going, there will be more opportunities for people to get more immersed and invested in the characters and storylines of the park because we have it all created. It's just, getting it to the people uh, through other means. And the first way that we do that is with the companion app. I don't know if any of you downloaded that when you visited. Yep. Loved it. (laughs) What, what elements did you love Marcus? I love the specific um, interactions that you had with specific areas of the park. Just try this. It really helped because I came into it really blind and I tried to um, because I didn't know much short of you guys built a new park right in Iowa. Um, and I'm from Ohio, so I kind of understand that. Uh, so, um, but going in, I really tried to, um, not only learn about different areas, what's themed after what the lore behind some of the stuff, which again, I had no idea. (laughs) And I was just like, I was floored by every step, every single thing about the app that, um, introduced any sort of backstory that showed heck the, the, the map of the park was great. It everything about it was um, better than most because it in, embraced a lot of the what you have built in the park. Um, it really showed that 
You guys really cared. And that, that for me, gave so much stronger of an impression of the on the park than really anything else. Because a lot of times you go to these amusement parks and you go, well, they built this stuff, but they didn't really care if we enjoy them as a, as a theme park goer. It can be hit or miss depending on where you go, right? Uh, <laughs> but no, I walked through the gates. Um, I didn't know there was an app until a little bit in, but then I got the app. I was like, oh, this is... This is exactly what I am now expecting from everywhere I ever go forever. So, <laughs> yeah, and building on that it really helps you connect uh, with everything that's there. And I found myself, even though we were limited on time when we did finally arrive at the park, uh, but I found myself I wanted to ride every single ride that I could, uh, just because there was that connection with the the backstory involved with it. Great. And that's the whole point. I mean, the, we have plans to expand on the app too. Uh, as the right now, that's the main way that we can sort of tell people what the story is for the park. But uh, this year, we introduced costume characters as well. So many of the avatars from the app came alive this year, and they have done a great job of interacting with guests in unique ways. We have one character that uh was a last minute addition actually and has kind of become the star of the park he his name is Yamil and he's a a merchant that will trade kids uh semi precious stones that they find in the the sand play area for trinkets in his cape and we kind of threw that idea together last minute because we always planned on the the ruin area that that's sort of an excavation site <laughs> in the, the earth realm. We always plan on having these semi-precious stones scattered in there just as an Easter egg. Because kids are always digging in the sand. But it really is more of a special memory if you find something when you're digging. So those were always planned. But we thought, hey, you know, it would kind of be a cool touch point if this m- merchant character wants to trade you for that because in my mind i was thinking that's a way for us to maybe save some money because those semi-precious stones are not cheap and if he trades you for like a something that only costs us a quarter we're kind of money ahead and the kid gets this cool interaction where they basically traded something that they found for something that they may want more uh and that got to be so popular that we had to limit his interactions because the kids were <laughs> literally awesome. mining everything out of the sand <laughs> play area and then mobbing him to the point where kids were chasing him into the dressing room. <laughs> wow. But what other park are you going to find that interaction at? Exactly. Yes. So we're we're very happy with that and hope to continue expanding on uh, how the other characters interact now that we know that that has become so popular. The other uh, the other thing that we introduced this year that wasn't available last year is we did uh, publish a dictionary that has the the beginnings of our park language that the characters speak and some of the guides will speak as well, uh, and it's just the another part of the rabbit hole that if you really want to learn what all of the inscriptions are on the buildings and the uh, some of the weird 
sayings that you can find throughout the park. You can buy a dictionary and decode all of that yourself. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's incredible. When I saw that the first, um, I went actually on opening day this year, and I, they went a couple weeks after me. And I, you know, immediately as I walked in the park, I was just going crazy. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this place is so much better um, than I ever imagined it would be." So it was really cool to experience that. And then I'm seeing, you know, they're posting pictures of, "Oh, hey, there's the app. Here's the the dictionary." I was like, "Wait, I was only at the park for an hour and a half, so I missed so much of it." Um, I'm already plan. We're already planning on going next year um, and bringing as many people as we can, and we'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But um, <laughs> we've got plans because uh, everyone needs to experience this park. But yes, um, you know, just expanding on that lore that you have. I mean, you, you've already talked about it a little bit with having, you know, you're now having the characters do walk arounds in the park. Um, are you planning on expanding that even more so when you're talking about, you know, more interactions, more merchandise? I mean, you could sell, you know, games on this and all sorts of different things that can continue that lore at home rather than just that experience in the park. Because we still talk about it. You guys were there a month ago and I was there two months ago and we're still talking about it. So, oh, like, yeah. is there an idea to continue that idea of really expanding Lost Island at home? Absolutely. So we're we're working on a board game right now. We're also Molly and I, mostly Molly, when she hasn't been <laughs> dealing with the characters' costumes. So probably more this fall, <laughs> she'll be uh, back to work on a novel that is about seventy five percent of the way there. Uh, and. Those are the two big off-season projects right now. I'm hopeful that we can get one of them done before we open next season. But yeah, like I said, I mean, the the whole point behind a theme park is that you have you're immersing a person in a different world, and so uh, we aren't able to do it all at once because we don't have a team of 50 Imagineers <laughs> to execute it on. But we are we do have plans uh, for two years, three years, five years down the road to continue to create that immersive feeling. Eric, Eric you're setting us up. We had the questions lined up. I mean, you just said it, five-year plan. Where, where do you expect to see the park here coming up in like the next five years? Like what's your, what's your hopes and dreams, you know, if everything goes according to plan, where, where are we going to see Lost Island in five years from now? Well, I hope we're on some top ten list somewhere <clears throat> by then. Uh, as far as attractions, I would like to keep those private for now uh just know that oh, we, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we do have plans to expand the park um but it, as you should know uh that is based pretty heavily on whether we get the attendance to mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. it happen uh but yeah we we built the park in such a way that every realm except for awa has the water realm Every area has room for at least two additional major rides. So we have the ability to, to grow for a number of years. And if it gets to be incredibly popular, we can always put a ferry in and go to the other side of the lake. 
Ooh, I like that. I felt Sounds like that almost. was the oh, that was the one walk. I was like, oh, he'll go around. <laughs> you <laughs> get good things along the way. Like a lake. Yeah, don't, don't get reminded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so regarding your park development, you know, you developed this over the last you know, 10 or so years, right? A little less than that, but, um, COVID obviously impacted everybody everywhere. Um, how did that impact, uh, you guys in Los Island? Oh, Marcus, I got to tell you, I'm so tired of talking about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody uses it as an excuse for why they can't do things anymore. It's like, give me a mm. break. That was three years ago. Get get your life back together. <laughs> <clears throat> so COVID, yeah, obviously impacted us, but it didn't really slow down our construction. All it did is make everything more expensive. I um, gotcha. In Iowa, we also had a derecho, which for those of your oh, listeners who right. aren't familiar with what a derecho is, it's basically an inland hurricane. And so oh, this happened in 2021, right after COVID got done. So right as we were framing up all our buildings and needed a ton of plywood, this derecho came through and essentially flattened the southern half of Iowa. And so there was oh, no plywood to be found anywhere. So we had to we had to pay outrageous sums to have it shipped in so that we could stay somewhat on schedule. And that was yes. that was the biggest uh, headache we got from COVID. It wasn't that we were locked down or that people uh, weren't able to work or a bunch of people got sick. It was mostly just materials didn't come in on time. It definitely hampered schedule for that reason. And then yeah. everything that we did get was so expensive that it really, it blew up our budget. So that was the, that's why I don't like talking about COVID. I got you. No one likes yeah. to think about a lot of money they had to spend. <laughs> I get it. Uh, so with think about the water park and the theme park, have you had any sort of discussion around a multi-park ticket or like anything like a shuttle between the parks or anything fun like that? We already have multi-park tickets, Marcus. You can come oh, nice. to both parks in one day or did two I parks across two job, days. I, uh, I, I definitely did not. Oh, there it is. <laughs> no I, I was only there for the for the amusement park, so I did not, uh, I I did not look. <laughs> the shuttle between the parks, we're still working out. Um, the challenge is that right now we're charging for parking at the theme park mm. and the water park does not. So we already have challenges with parking at the water park as it is. And yeah. the last thing we want to do is encourage more people to park over there and then take a shuttle to the theme park. Yeah. Wow. So, there we go. I uh, doing like a, a charge for the shuttle. If you're parked at the water park might be something we would consider. It's just, that's a, that's a problem we don't want to deal with just yet. So, well, we it. might we might uh, jump into a solution next year. We're still trying to get the theme park running. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just something that I was really curious. Obviously, I missed the ball on paying attention, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was one other thing that really peaked because we had planned on coming back to say see your smiling face. Oh. So <laughs> we we missed you this year. We were we were there later in the day, so yeah, we didn't I don't get know a chance to stop by. You, you were gallivanting. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been the case. 
<laughs> it happens. You got to park to run. I get it. <laughs> uh, have, so we got another great one here. And because my compatriots aren't very talkative, I guess I'll talk. <laughs> I'm just looking uh, at my for him to talk. I'm just, I'm just let, let Mark have a question. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Mark, you, you take the floor. All right. I'll, I'll get this next oh. one. <laughs> All right, I got this. All right, we we believe in you. (laughs) So, when was or did you have that holy shit we did this moment? And what caused that? And when was that? Either for the water park or the amusement park? Oh man, let's see. Uh, Well, the water park. I have a very specific memory from the first year when uh, it was halfway through the season and I remember meeting my dad underneath one of the slide towers and we were coming from different directions and we both sat down on opposite sides of the uh, foundation for the slide in, in an area that guests don't really go and we were just sitting back to back both completely exhausted and I I said, do you think we made a mistake? And he just kind of sighed and he says, no, I don't think so. And I shook my head and I was like, okay. And then we both got up and walked (laughs) separate directions to put out whatever fire we were working on. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it turned out for the best. I mean, the water park is very well run right now and we have a lot of really, great fans over there at the theme park. Gosh, I, we've been so concerned about getting it going for so long. I, I don't know if I've had a moment to think about the fact that it's done. Um, cause it's never done. You, you can always do something mm-hmm. to improve it. Um, I think it was probably this year when I rode Matagani for the first time and because that was sort of the last ride that we were waiting on last year to complete. And so that was, that was a very satisfying ride because I had never been on a launch coaster. I know that's like the the worst thing to say on a coaster podcast. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. We, like I said, we're water park people. So getting into the coaster enthusiast community was totally unexpected. <laughs> and the number of questions that people ask about our rides and which rides we're going to be putting in next. I, I'm a themed entertainment guy. I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a roller coaster buff. <laughs> and so getting questions about that stuff, I always just feel like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> But the launch coaster was a pretty amazing experience. And to think that we, after all of the headaches that we had, that we finally had the park together, that was a, a good moment. We just need more people to experience it with us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I will say about Matagani is um, I hadn't been on it. We, we, we have all, we know a lot of um, folks from Europe who had been on Kanonen at Liseberg. Mm-hmm. And they were never big fans of it. And then after riding it, I'm like, what, what were they on? Thinking, right. This ride mm-hmm. was not good. It's like a mini Maverick. 
Yeah. So much fun. <laughs> Love that ride. That's a good time. I, I forget how many times we rode that, Mark. <laughs> I felt I felt like a dozen times. I swear. We, we, we really well, It, it wasn't thing. anywhere close to that, but it, it <laughs> like quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we've been asking a bunch of questions from ourselves, and we got fans. So I don't know how, but we have fans. <laughs> this is where the show starts to get a little bit unhinged. Yeah, this is where we get a little crazy. <laughs> so, so before we go into these questions, I need to ask Volcano. Volcano, you got it. First this try. Is, I mean, <laughs> so Marcus and I were at IAPA when it was announced that it That's was right. – going to Lost Island. And I remember just the general thought was, wait, what? (laughs) Um, And then experiencing it, I felt outside. I mean, that ride is so immersive. It's incredible. How? I just, just (laughs) well, I mean, you've been on a Sally dark ride before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Not to sure. nope. yeah, yeah, that one like that. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's levels of Sally, and that one blew Sally out of the water. That was next level. Well, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that credit goes to Drew Hunter, the the lead designer at Sally. He really helped us put that together, uh, and many of the elements that are in that ride, they had already planned for a stock idea that they had called Forbidden Island. So it was. It was at IAPA for a number of years, just waiting to get picked up by any park. And we we had spoken to Sally and uh, developed a relationship with John Wood just because he and my, my dad, Gary, are cut from the same cloth. They both started a business when they were young and are very involved in the day-to-day and have a lot of the same views. And so they would talk every time they saw each other at IAPA and this forbidden Island concept was always at their booth. And my dad said, you know, if we ever build a theme park, we want to put something like this in, into ours because it fits the existing lost Island theme. So it, it had like, it had a bunch of elements that we scrapped, but it basically was you got on the beach and then it went through all of the, the Island movie tropes. So there was a, <laughs> a pygmy uh-huh. section with blow darts and then there was a <laughs> section with dinosaurs and then uh there was i think a section with zombies and then you went into a volcano and volcano the it was his name was volcanicus uh was still the end villain and when we decided what the theme for the overall park was going to be and we went to Sally and we said hey you remember how we were going to come to you if we wanted a dark ride uh that day is today and (laughs) so we said we love the volcano at the end of this forbidden island but that's it we we all we want is a volcano so drew helped us walk through how we were going to design it to fit with the storyline that we had for the overall park. So we always knew that Volcano was going to be our island villain. And Drew sort of helped us dovetail together the ride experience with our existing meta mm-hmm. uh, backstory. Yeah. And he he really was the one who 
came up with all of the scenes in there. We we had very little to do with that. He basically said, gave us a storyboard and said, so you're going to go from here to this room, and then you're going to shoot at this screen, you're going to see this three-headed monster, and then you're going to go down this lava tube, and there's going to be a scorpion. And we were just like, yep, yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> the only input we really had is what they, the Tamariki tells you in the pre-show and what the the shaman says when you see him in the queue and in the ride, those were really the only, the only parts that we had had a lot of creative license over the rest of it. They kind of just presented to us and we said, this is amazing. We're doing it. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, uh, I got second place by the way. It was, uh, sad. It's, you know, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I definitely walked off of that. just like, it, it, mouth agape, really. Good. So I, I Again, assumed, we're exceeding your expectations. That's yes. Because <laughs> you, you really don't expect much, which is <laughs> which is a good thing to come in on, in my opinion, at least. Because when you don't expect something, you get blown away. You're more. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm proof positive. More than willing to go to a place that honestly I'd never really had planned to go to for a couple more years because we went um, to Iowa a couple years ago. Um, before Lost Island was really a, a, a thing thing. So uh, we um, had we were going to the Midwest again. We were like, we got to go. So the fact that we weren't expecting much and came away blown away, still fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. Um, were, you, were you smiling at me now? Do you want to take this first? <laughs> <Are> you, uh... <laughs> no, no. Move, all right, moving on. Uh, Gary... Good guy. He's ridden way too many roller coasters. He's in Italy right now. He wanted to know, um, of the two relocated coasters that you guys have, um, which one has had more challenges uh, to obtain and relocate from their uh, respective countries? Um, let's see. I mean, as far as cost to relocate, definitely the SLC from Ratanga Junction, just because it had to be disassembled from South Africa and then it was shipped to the Netherlands to be refurbished and oh. then shipped from the Netherlands to Iowa. And uh, that was 88 shipping containers that had to make their way <laughs> to oh us. Oh, man. Uh, they all made it. Um, but as far as okay. <laughs> just so everybody knows they all made it but uh in terms of which one was easier to uh to get going it was obviously the slc because the the launch coaster has just been obviously it didn't open for a year because many of the parts that we needed got delayed due to covid that needed mm. to be replaced and that was really a, a nightmare because we had the the track up and assembled and then getting the guts of the coaster put in it was just finding out you know we needed new brake motors and part of the hydraulic uh accumulator there was a part that needed to be replaced on that and so having the ride there just staring at everyone and not being able to to put it to use for a whole year was, was pretty devastating. Yeah. Were you able to get those parts directly from Inamon or have to do a third party? 
Uh, they had to come direct from Intamin. I mean, Intamin is very proprietary on on important parts like brake motors, and so that there was just no way around it. We basically had to wait until we could get them. Get everything through. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and if I remember correctly, accelerator, or not accelerator, uh, storm runner was down for what, like a year and a half around that same time frame. So yeah, uh, I'm sure they had a backlog of spare parts they had to get out. That may have been, I mean, we did everything we could to try to expedite, parts but it we we didn't end up getting any everything until well getting everything installed until march of this year and then we barely made opening day of this year because they still had to come in and commission the ride so we had to do three thousand cycles that we were running before we even had all of the sensors in we were running empty trains back in october in November, and then it got too cold in December, January, February, and so we started back up in March to finish out the 3,000 cycles, and then had them here the end of April to sign off on everything. So it was it was down to the wire even this year. Oh wow! And and just for my curiosity's sake, that 3,000 cycles is that a manufacturer dictated? Uh, milestone or is that a state dictated milestone or uh, where does the the 3000 number come from? It was an Intamin manufacturer requirement. Okay. Okay. Yep. And it's different for every manufacturer. Vacoma had a different number of cycles we had to run on the SLC. Okay. Yeah. Cause it seems like some rides, you know, they're testing, testing, testing for weeks and other rides. It seems like they might run for a week and they're like, Oh, it's open now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, can you share a little bit of the um, process of how you purchase those rides as well? Uh, sure. I mean, you can buy anything on the internet these days. So. <laughs> I was wondering because I we all know the website, and I was like, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a few different brokers that we use, but uh, we browsed a lot of websites and made some contacts at IAPA, and they're they're just a number of brokers that find these rides that other parks are planning to replace, and we just happen to uh, get hooked up with the these two particular coasters the reason that we chose to go with them is because they're coaster styles that are not available in parks near us and so uh again not being a coaster enthusiast we had no idea the bad reputation that slc's had we just thought (laughs) that it looked like a cool thing that didn't exist in any of the four parks around us and the same thing with the the launch coaster sounded like a great deal. It was a much beloved coaster, and we were like, "Oh, we're we're going to lock this in." And then found out how much of a pain hydraulic <laughs> launch coasters are to maintain. We've been very fortunate, and it's been super consistent since we got it going. But yeah, I mean, ha- if I could do it over again, would we have chosen those rides knowing what we know now? Maybe not. Maybe we would have if they were the only ones available. Yeah. 
I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty when you look <laughs> at things like that. So yeah, um, sometimes all you can do is go off your best guess. And I mean, to be fair, SLCs do look cool. Yeah, they, do, they, do. they, they really do. <laughs> and I will say, at least this one has the bonus helix. Yep. It's the only one I've ridden that has the bonus helix. Yep. That was another big selling point for us too. I, at least if it's if people hate the feel <laughs> of the ride, it's something that they can't get anywhere else. Very true. Very true. Um so I guess you know another question that's come up is um what you know this is I, I'm kind of stealing from Carl asked a question but I'm going to kind of tweak it here a little bit. Um <laughs> Kind of looking at, you know, in the U.S. specifically, new parks haven't had the best track record of success, um, you know, based on, you know, happen to be when they open or, you know, just all other obstacles. Um, what steps did you guys take to really ensure that, you know, besides the lore building that you guys have done, um, which has left a great impression in everyone's mind, <laughs> that you guys have taken to really try and ensure that you're not going to be, you know, another footnote in that history and that you're going to be around for the long term and really build your brand. Well, Mike, I think one thing that separates us from a lot of those other parks that didn't make it is just like in, in your personal life, financing is important. And uh, many of those other parks way over leveraged their hand and assumed that they were going to see much higher visitor counts than they did. We did the same thing, but had the contingency plan of, okay, but if we don't, what is the runway like? And the water park is kind of the safety net for us because with the cabinet company that ended up needing to be sold to pay for the theme park, uh, we, we have no debt on the park. It's, it's totally self-funded. Nice. And wow, that's impressive. What, yeah. What many people don't understand is that doesn't mean that the Birch family still has unlimited resources. What that means is that we're all in on the, the Cedar Valley community. We have invest, literally invested everything that made us successful back into the community. And so without having to pay debt payments, that's very important to being able to be self-sustaining. And we have no investors that we have to pay back. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, as long as the parks are self-sustaining, that's, that is the return on our investment. And so uh, for any of those people that are saying, oh, the prices are too high and why are you paying, why are you charging so much? I I always encourage people to consider any other park of the same of a similar uh, caliber and compare the pricing with those places rather than comparing coming to one of our parks to going and getting a tank of gas or going to see a movie or getting fast food because that that is the other hurdle that we've always had to overcome is the local clientele who often are the loudest about pricing yeah really are aren't comparing apples to apples and mm -hmm. we we really try to make the case that look we're we're 
charging the a fair amount for what is being offered, but we have to charge an amount that is going to make us enough money to to survive. Yeah. And so uh, the way that we're going to stay alive, Mike, is by reminding people that we're not some faceless corporation that is trying to nickel and dime everybody. We're a family-run business that has every intention of continuing to invest in the community that we have grown up in and by providing world-class entertainment in this area at a price that we feel is fair for what we're providing um, and having the water park pay for it until we can survive on our own. Yeah. And honestly, we were overjoyed at the prices we had to pay. <laughs> like we were, at, we were at Kings Island two weeks earlier and what was parking like $30? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something insane like that. We were so happy we had platinum passes. <laughs> but still, but even, even something like that, seeing $10 for parking, it's like, this is a lot more reasonable than yeah. the competition. Now we, we we probably are a little bit you know we we're a little more well traveled so we see a lot more of the the world that probably most of or the world excuse me of amusement parks than some of your uh, your normal patrons but yeah uh, fantastically priced for especially for what you guys have I've seen significantly worse for much 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 worse <laughs> so yeah. to get to what we got at that price you can that's very few in the industry offer that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have another follow-up just on that. So you mentioned, you know, that the local area is, you know, your prime, obviously prime demographic. You're trying to hit that that local market to really pull people in. Um, in terms of, you know, advertising further out, you know, it, a great example that, you know, we always see is driving from Kentucky into Indiana. You see the holiday world. Um, billboard literally right outside the gate of Kentucky Kingdom. And it's just like, hey, so many billboards, <laughs> so many billboards. It's just like that friendly reminder, like, hey, we're right here. We're available in terms of that marketing strategy where you guys are trying to, you know, reach out to those people, you know, year two of the theme park. Like what's what's that? What's that scope that you want to reach to attract people, not just, you know, locally, but, you know, in the region, trying to get those people into the park and realize this is where my family should vacation. Yeah, we uh, spent a lot of money on billboards. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, around the state. So coming in on all the major interchanges from Illinois, there we have them in Rockford. We have them in Omaha. Uh, we have them on 35 coming up from Kansas City. We also have several uh, strategically placed in Des Moines. And and also <laughs> coming from Minnesota, so uh, we tried to hit all of the the major throughput uh, highways coming into the state. And then w- <laughs> this is a question that we get a lot of: Well, I don't see any of your advertising, and the the challenge with any business these days with media is it's so fragmented that unless you have uh, an obscene budget, it doesn't really matter how much you spend because it gets so watered down with the 500 different social media platforms. And then if you want to do radio, well, there's also 
streaming services for radio. Well, what about TV? Okay, TV's a prohibitively expensive for a small business. And also, you also you have seven, eight, nine different uh, streaming TV services as well. And so how how do you pinpoint the specific services that is going to get in front of your target market enough times that they remember seeing or hearing your ad and then that translates into a visit i unfortunately i do not know the answer to that nor do i know how much it's going to cost so what we have tried to do is strategically deploy our advertising dollars on those billboards we've done radio ads and giveaways throughout the state of Iowa. And then beyond that, we have tried to pepper social media uh, in in the broader region. So including Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Missouri, and Nebraska with lookalike audiences on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as Google ads. And we actually just had a meeting with Reddit today about getting on their platform and potentially right. doing some some marketing to the subreddits on on there. And we'll see how that goes. But it's just it's so hard because everybody can tell you, well, you're gonna you're gonna get whatever a million impressions by advertising with X, Y, and Z. Okay, that's great, but really those metrics mean very little in in today's digital landscape because impressions don't mean anything that that's half of those are probably bots another third of them are probably <laughs> people that are way outside our demographic and won't even recognize that it's an ad targeted to them and then yeah you may have a quarter of them that are like oh hey lost island that looks fun but the real number of people that see the ad and click through to purchase a ticket is so much lower that it's, it's like any other form of advertising. It's a total shotgun blast and you just hope you hit something. Yeah, I've, I've seen, and that was actually something that I, and I, I never really looked at it from that way. Um, which, which would be um, why I wasn't seeing advertising. Now, I am not exactly a proponent of trying to look everywhere for advertising. There is that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was something that was, was brought up early on, I think, with the park. Did you guys take a while to get find your your groove when it came to marketing? Or was it something you felt really strong with from the start and it's just evolved with time? Well, with the theme park last year, we absolutely did zero marketing because we didn't even know when we were going to be opening. And so the last thing we wanted to do was blast out, hey, new theme park opening soon without a date, because then it was just going to be having people show up and getting mad that we weren't open and they just drove yeah. four hours and turning around. Mm -hmm. So there, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe of that course. was the right route to go. It still seemed like when we did let people know that the park had opened, the messaging was, well, they're not ready. Not all the rides are open. It's like, yeah, because we literally just got the concrete guys out of the park yesterday. <laughs> so, yes, we're, we weren't ready, but we felt like we needed to open. Otherwise, we we're going to lose the whole summer. And yeah. so it, it was really cobbled last year. We did try to hit it hard this year with 
uh, a lot of digital, a lot of radio and those billboards going up. Um, and yeah, we were hopeful that the word of mouth and these interviews that I keep <laughs> missing or doing late will, uh, will help spread the word a little bit more for next year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I could see just already in the enthusiast community. I, I, I felt like we were the first ones, but we definitely are not the first group to really want to enjoy. I see, I see more and more of other, um, coaster clubs too getting events coming out. I really mm-hmm. want to spend time with you guys. So uh, I'm glad that that reach is finally starting to really set in Yes, for you guys. So um, I got a good one here. Um, if money didn't matter, mm-hmm. which, you know, we all love those hypotheticals. <laughs> what type of roller coaster would you add to the park? A money. Let's, let's say, there it is. All right. That, that was the the first coaster that we talked about adding uh when we said yeah we're going to do this park was we're going to put in a wooden roller coaster and then when we found out what level of maintenance was required to operate one yeah. it immediately <laughs> eliminated that possibility <laughs> Because I don't know if you guys are aware, but Iowa is not exactly a hotbed for roller coaster <laughs> technicians. <laughs> yeah. So we have a great team who are very knowledgeable and have learned a lot over the last two years. But throwing a wooden roller coaster at them right now, would, I, I think they would all quit. And I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so if we could find some money, we'll make sure to get you. Let's <laughs> couple of guys move to Iowa. Get, get a few we'll carpenters in there for yeah, you. Yeah, get yep. some folks. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a, a compromise somewhere in the middle with a, a wooden structure but a steel track. Oh, <laughs> interesting. We might, we might know a guy. We'll, we'll see if we can we can lay, lay a text out. <laughs> okay, so so I have a you know. Kind of with that, but the, you know, when I was at the park, I made this comment, and I, I don't. First of all, know if you're aware of this place. Are you aware of Energylandia in Poland? <laughs> I I have heard the name of this place. <laughs> okay, so this is you know it's they've been around for about ten years or so. Um, <laughs> these guys are laughing at me, but. <laughs> They're they're one of those few you know those few parks that have opened up and really blown up in size. Obviously, you know Poland completely different demographic than Iowa. <laughs> um, one thing that you know it has a lot of charm though that place and it's very you know they have their own own IP basically own lore that they're starting to put in after you know they they flooded the place with a bunch of kid rides small things like that mm-hmm. and. Everyone who's been there and who has been to both places says this is the Energylandia of the United States in Poland mm. or in Iowa. This is like this place has that potential to truly be this this mecca, this place that everyone travels to. And I mean, I think last year, Marcus, what we had about thirty people go from the states over to Energylandia. Yep. And like we had like. Walking in, I was like, this feels like, you know, I don't know if you know much about Poland, kind of similar vibe to Iowa 
in terms of a lot of cornfields and just, you know, very similar fields, it felt like that place. And, you know, there, there's that got me excited just feeling that vibe. I was like, this is going to be special. So I, I don't know if there's anything I was really adding to that, but I just, you know, I mean, a lot of really good rides and they have a lot of good, you know, they have those things where, you know, you take the wooden structure, but the steel rails where there's not as much <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. This guy. Interesting. This guy. Oh, man. They, we have a lot of the same rides, too. Yep. 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 Interesting. They have an SLC. It looks like they got a, a disco, too. Mm-hmm. And yes. a wacky worm. Man. Yep. They have about 12 wacky worms. It's pretty great. Oh, wow. <laughs> they have a lot of, they're actually, you know what, looking at what their selection, they have a few things that would actually fit really well um, at your park just based off of uh, cost and the spacing that you guys have. So, All right. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll have to do a little more research. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, I've got the next question. This is from our buddy Show, and he asks, is there any chance that, uh, or any possibility that the the music from the different lands will be released for listening, maybe on Spotify or something? That's We've gotten that question before, Mark, and I have tried to do that. The <laughs> there, This is something else that I learned getting into this business but uh there are a lot of rules about releasing music and (laughs) since the entire uh soundtrack is not owned by us spotify has a lot of restrictions on what can be released and we can't even compile the playlist on spotify and release Mm. the playlist okay so I would be happy to give show a list of all of those songs and he can go download it, download them himself. Uh, the only one he won't be able to get is there is an original uh, piece of music that was composed for each realm as well as one for the whole park uh, that I'll have to email him the, the wave file for. I like that. But yeah, if anybody has some suggestions i guess i can go back to our composer and see if he knows but navigating spotify it seemed prohibitive to try to put that together okay gotcha yeah we have been uh we've been on spotify for a while now and every once in a while some of our art gets uh hollered at so i have <laughs> a thinking about the the audio obviously because all the audio is unique but mm-hmm. yeah yeah, no, those you had some bangers in there. A lot of it I hadn't heard before, so <laughs> I was thinking that exact same thing. Speaking uh, back, back to Energylandia, they got a, a hell of a, a, a theme song. Oh, that really? I think, I think that we sing we sing on a regular basis. <laughs> yes, yes <we> do. <laughs> it's one of those catchy jingles that uh, we all have had. No matter where you're from, you have a catchy jingle from some local business. Did you guys have some at uh, the original company? What at the cabinet company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nope. No, that's fine. No, it's just uh, you know I, some people do, some people don't. I, sure. I know we don't have some at my company. You know, Mark does because you know they're weird in, in Michigan. Um, <laughs> <Can> we? <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, okay. they do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, so I missed the bar in the park. I, you know, I wasn't there very long. That's somewhere I'm really looking forward to going back to. Um, in terms of moving forward in the future, are you thinking of any unique food offerings that are special to the park? Are you partnering with local breweries that, you know, <laughs> can you guys stop? I'm trying to be serious <laughs> right now. You know, local breweries where you, you mentioned the beer that you're drinking tonight is from a local place. Are you trying to, you know, drink local, have your local stuff there? Or um, really, what's kind of the food and beverage? <laughs> can I get through a question, please? Thank <laughs> 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 um Food and beverage-wise, what, yeah. what's the, uh, how, how unique are you going to be? Well, Mike, uh, I wish that you had been able to spend a little bit more time there because we do have a number of local partnerships. So we've got uh, cold brew nitro coffee from a company called Fat Cup uh, that you can get at our first food kiosk right in the, the kids' realm area. So parents that are stuck with their kids are able to recharge. Uh, That's incredible. <laughs> and then the the first restaurant that you get to has a number of items that you don't normally find at a theme park. So we have coconut shrimp with habanero, uh, mango habanero sauce, um, some chicken fried rice bowls, uh, barbecue pulled pork sandwiches to to kind of round out the water realm island feel. And if you're not interested in checking out those items, there's also a, uh, it's kind of like a Fiesta chicken salad that has a Sriracha ranch Ooh. dressing. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so that's the, the whalebone grill area. If you prefer par regular park fare, then our Totara Market restaurant on the other side of the park has your cheeseburgers, uh, pork tenderloin because we're in Iowa, pizza. Uh, they both, both the restaurants have chicken tenders. Um, but then we also have a black bean burger over there with an avocado spread. And one of the burgers that we have is a, a deluxe uh patty with uh, bacon and pineapple as a kind of a nod to one of the characters in the app. Uh, and then one of the other unique items that we have at both restaurants and in the gift shop is a mini cupcake flight from a local brewery. Or oh, bakery. yeah. Oh, that was and great. Each of, the, each of the cupcakes are unique to Lost Island. They don't sell them anywhere else at any of their other stores and each cupcake is uh for one of each of the five realms and then one for volcano um and that's a super cool item then uh we also at one of the kiosks have a donut volcano it's mini donut a dozen mini donuts that are stacked into a tower covered in chocolate and strawberry sauce and then we also have some um I can't remember the name, the actual name that you can get in Hawaii. Um, it's when they put ice cream into shaved ice, but we do the same thing with pineapple Dole Whip into uh, icy. So it's it's a lava a lava drink at our park. But um, so yeah, we we have a number of unique items right now, and we'll continue to expand those as well um, with local partners as we get going but we we kind of hang our hat on 
that sort of stuff because the beer that I'm drinking is from a local brewery. And like I said, we partnered with them to create that beer as well, just like with the cupcakes. You can't get it anywhere but at the park. Yeah. So it sounds like we're going back because I missed uh, all I'm, this food. <laughs> so, so while you were talking, Eric, I went on Google Flights to see how quickly I could get back. <laughs> which is very much of a staple of our show. So, um, Great. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not going to work right now. But Yeah, I know. I've got that, got that set. So, dang. That all sounds incredible. So, jeez. Okay. Mark, get the next one. I'm counting on you, Mark. Oh, right. <laughs> Man, I wasn't ready. I wasn't looking at the questions. It's your cat. He's running around with what it is. Right? Dude, he's so distracting. Oh, <laughs> uh, my goodness. That was a good question. There are so many questions. They yeah, really there's a lot. Also, Eric, you've covered so much. Like These questions are all covered, and we appreciate every single second of that. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, here's a good one from Cpred. Are you considering any park-sponsored enthusiast events like uh, like what Holiday World does with uh, Hollywood Nights? Um, that is a good question. We we have Ace coming out on the 22nd, um, but as far as park-sponsored events. Um, we had toyed around with doing some shoulder season um, holidays. Uh, as far as during the season, we're we're not there yet. Probably okay. just not right now. Okay. Gotcha. Well, you know we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. We Great. will definitely be there. What What are you uh, looking for with uh, uh, I mean, what does Holiday World do? There, so Holiday World, uh, the Hollywood Nights is probably one of the more famous ones. Um, a lot of them just offer, um, you know, unique things that you can't do elsewhere. Um, a lot for them, a lot of it's uh, you know exclusive ride times, some ERT on the rides. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the uniqueness of everything that you guys have there, uh, I could see a whole repertoire of late night, like after dark type stuff. Um, that would be very entertaining to the enthusiast crowd, at least I know, especially in the bar area. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, uh, for, for whatever reason, when, as you're talking right now, what's popping into my head is when Cedar point would do their beach parties in the summer. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, they had a band on the beach and they had like some bonfires going and, they're just people just hanging out, having a good time. Yeah. Hmm. And every and I'll be honest, everyone's got is unique to them. So mm-hmm. Hollywood Night sprung up from the owners just wanting to do something awesome yeah. for the park after they built their their first speaking of their three wooden coasters, so I'm I, their budget is insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um uh yeah, yeah. Just every every park's got something unique about it that if they ever have an enthusiast event, that really makes people want to go and stay. And some are just go for the roller coasters, that's it. Other yeah. for a little bit of both. Some other ones are, you know, like uh, the Halloween events down in uh, Universal Orlando. That's just, right. That's yeah. its own event itself, right? It's right. just it's separate from the park almost. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood nights, you know, they they've got the backstage tours as well. I I remember seeing photos from 
Six Flags Fiesta Texas Roller Coaster Rodeo. Um, they took people up on Dr. Diabolical's uh, mid-course brake run catwalks. Wow. Um, what, the ride was still under construction, so that's probably why they <laughs> were able to do it. But, no, I, I know some parks, you know, their events, they do, like, lift climbs or, or various backstage tours. Um, those are pretty popular as well yeah. as the ERT. We'll have to look into that as well. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I, I, a joke question from, from Carl. <laughs> Why? And uh, you've shut up. You <laughs> you've grown. Uh, your your uh, tweets are quite entertaining. Uh, okay. <laughs> you knew it had to come up eventually. Yep. Um, I think my the big question from Carl here is why are there so many helicopter parents in Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> I think. It might have something to do with the business that we're in and the fact that I talk about them more than many other people probably do in our industry. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody that works with kids of that age have to deal with these these folks. So, oh, yeah. I mean, anybody that is a teacher or works at a gas station where they employ people that are between 16 and 21. I mean, any business that is hiring those younger kids are dealing with parents. I'm just more vocal about it, I think, than others. Yeah. And again, nothing wrong with it. Um, You provide your own unique viewpoint into the park. And I think that's what's turned us on to even wanting to have you on was the fact that you are a unique personality in the industry that we know across the board, right? You're a new guy who's just not afraid to say what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes you very interesting. And that makes the park even more interesting to want to visit just to see what a man who is willing to say what he feels uh, about uh, a lot of things going on um, has built in the middle of Iowa. So, Well, I appreciate that. And I, I'm going to do my best to try to keep those tweets from getting me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's, it's, you know, it's, as, as somebody who also manages not that many people, but a a, a chunk of people, I, it's, it's interesting how people react to certain things, but then also they look at one thing that may be eh, and not realize all the other positive stuff that comes out. So, um, and I've seen a lot of that from you, Eric. It's, it's solid. Uh, your Twitter's a, a great follow. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we covered that one. Uh, Jake, uh, John Mike, wanted to say, uh, your park is incredible. Your staff is some of the nicest he's encountered. Uh, keep being amazing. You can't wait to come back again. Just wanted to pop that in there. Very nice. Um, Thank you, Jake. <laughs> uh, his second question to, to counter that um, oh, is, <laughs> is, the fr- is, is the front row experience on your SLC a simulation of when the Fire Nation attacks? Yes. <laughs> Avatar yeah. inspiration confirmed. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, our fans are are interesting ones to say the least. 
you know, something that I noticed when driving in, you know, coming in from Des Moines area, there was, we ended up taking a back road because, you know, there's no gas stations anywhere between those two parks. Um, as the park grows and as, you know, as it gets a stronger base, you know, there, it seems like, you know, there's the Isle Casino Hotel right there. Do you guys have any aspirations in the future to have your own branded hotel where you can continue that lore, um, turning that into that multi-day park experience for people? So we, as I said, kind of toyed with the idea. Well, I got really close on a indoor water park resort, and it was sort of a blessing in disguise that it didn't end up happening because we realized that we really don't want to be in the 24 7 365 business so uh if there was somebody else that wanted to partner with us and handle that whole aspect of the business then we certainly would be open to the conversation but us doing it ourselves is really unlikely interesting yep (laughs) Totally valid reason because, you know, we see recent examples in places in the country where, you know, they have this massive IP that they're trying to bank on of all this money being spent and it closes 18 months later. There's nothing, nothing to comment on there or <laughs> anything whatsoever. So I can't imagine how, how daunting of a thing that would be. So, um, yeah, you know, lessons to be learned everywhere, apparently. Of yep. course. <laughs> um so there there we listen, we've had a hell of a conversation, Eric. Um and I, I think I, I kinda wanna finish up with with one from you. Um just giving us a little more love for, for Lost Island. Um and I I want you to give us three reasons why everybody should uh get to Iowa and visit Lost Island. Oh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, uh, the first reason is that um, we are m- much more affordable and provide a very similar experience to places f- very far away that people tend to spend money to go visit and end up spending most of their time waiting in a line. And so... I those are all three of them. Wow. Okay, we're cheaper, <laughs> shorter waits, and a similar, if not better, overall experience to a lot of uh, apples to apples comparison parks. Ten thousand percent agree. There you go. Cash yep. money right there. That's all you need to say. All right. All right. Well, Eric, it has been an honor. We appreciate you. Um, joining us uh, on this lovely night. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add for our lovely listeners? Uh, it's been my pleasure. Uh, again, I apologize for being a little late tonight, but I <laughs> oh, no look worries. forward to seeing you all in person. The next time you visit, please let me know. Oh, you know we will. Absolutely. <laughs> Buzz Bars will be there in 2024. We'll, we're going to make it a big thing and can't wait to be there. Yep. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thanks right. very much, guys. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You have a good thanks, one. Eric.